Welcome to Eco Living, a podcast about ways to reduce your impact on the earth, from cutting your greenhouse gas emissions to minimizing land and water use. I'm Adam Weiss. Eco Living is a co-production of Narara Eco Village and the Narara Eco Living Network, and is based at our demonstration eco village outside of Sydney, Australia. This episode is supported by Robson Civil Projects, the company that's just now getting the lots in stage two of our eco village ready for us to build on. I'll say a bit more about Robson Civil after the interview. Today, I'm talking to Lincoln DeKalb. Lincoln lives here at the Eco Village and has lots of great expertise, from fermenting and brewing to solar power generation and distribution to managing fleets of electric vehicles. So you'll probably hear him again on the podcast in the future. But today, he's here to talk about his interest in growing mushrooms. Lincoln started cultivating mushrooms at home and in the forest that surrounds the village, then relatively recently started Shed 30 Mushrooms, a business based in our shed number 30 that grows and sells gourmet mushrooms currently to Eco-Village residents, but hopefully one day to the general public. Lincoln, welcome to Eco-Living. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. So mushrooms, everybody, well, not everybody likes mushrooms. Some people really hate mushrooms, but I love mushrooms. I assume that you're a fan of mushrooms as well. Why get into growing them? Look, I think it's it's everything about them. They're nutritious, they're interesting, they're unknown. Uh, they take a, often a waste product that you can then turn into something that's edible whether it be coffee grounds or sugarcane mulch or whatever that might be. Uh, but they're just, they're just a fascinating resource. Uh, I think they're highly underutilized. Uh, I think the more people that know about mushrooms, the better because they can be grown hyper-local with waste products for a nutritious outcome. So how'd you get into it? Yeah, interesting. A, uh, a village member, John Seed, actually organized a, a mushroom cultivation course. And we did it down here at the Eco Village. That was about five years ago, four and a half, five years ago. And um, I think I was just bitten. It was, it was just from there on. So now it's everything from growing mushrooms to photographing to learning the taxonomy of them to identifying them. I do go up to Dorigo with a bunch of mushroom enthusiasts uh, once a year on a mushroom trip. And I need to use that word trip lightly because it's not a traditional right. trip uh, in inverted commas. It's just a holiday that we uh, we bounce around uh, Dorigo State Forest and uh, with a bunch of mushroom enthusiasts and, and just learn lots. It's just a fascinating time. So if someone wants to get started with growing mushrooms at home, how do they do it? Do you need a special space? Is it really complicated? I know there's no such thing as a mushroom seed. So what do you do to actually get started with growing a mushroom? Yeah, I mean, I think the simplest way is actually getting one of these pre-made kits from places like Aussie Mushroom Supplies or Urban Culture, or there's quite a number. Uh, look in your local area. Obviously, getting these kits from a supplier in your local area means they're probably more attuned to the local climate. You know, if you're up in Brisbane, Little Acre Farm, a little lake of mushrooms have them and you know at least you're going to get sort of a, a queensland focused uh, mushroom but uh, that's the easiest they come in a little box you cut them open uh you mist them you can put them on your kitchen bench it doesn't need to be anywhere special uh there's a bit of a myth that mushrooms need dark to grow uh, but that's not true uh they actually need a, a a normal diurnal light cycle so night and day and so you just put it on the kitchen bench you mist it once or twice so it doesn't uh, dry out and uh, mushrooms will form so do you need to do anything special to take care of it or basically just let it grow? No, just missed it. Keep the humidity up. Mushrooms like a humidity around 85%, uh, depending on the strain, but 85%, which is quite humid. That's not something that you want in your house at 85%. So you just sort of, I've seen people uh, wrap them in a little plastic bag, for instance, and then spray, and that just creates a little microclimate as well of keep, keeping the humidity up, uh, and they have good success with that. Okay, great. So what type of mushrooms would you suggest would be good for a beginner to grow at home these kits are they kind of just the 
boring mushrooms you'd buy at the supermarket or can you no, get all sorts of different no, kinds I mean, of mushrooms? You, you definitely can. You can you can get the button mushrooms. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people talk to me about the button mushroom kit they got from Bunnings that didn't work. Um, or alternatively, the button mushroom kit they got from Bunnings that went absolutely berserk and they had so many mushrooms. Uh, there doesn't seem to be anything in the middle. So generally, you, you could grow those, but when they're only 9 or $10 a kilo, it's kind of it's easier just to get it from a local grower or the supermarket. But um, the, the gourmet mushrooms are the oysters, oyster mushrooms, and they're the simplest. They don't need a lot of sterilization and clean technique. They can just be done on the kitchen bench. Yeah, so you don't need anything special. It's just um, the, the oysters are very forgivable. They're fast growing. They're reasonably resistant to disease, and yeah, they'll get you going. So you mentioned sterilization and, and those kind of mm. things. One thing that I know people are concerned about with any kind of fungus is, is it safe to grow this and eat it? And am I going to get what I expect when I start growing this or is it going to put yep. me in the hospital? So is that a concern or is it something that you don't really need to worry about with these kits? Not with these kits. These kits come pre-inoculated with the particular oyster mushroom. So when you open it up and, and it fruits, chances are near on 100% that it's going to be the mushroom that, that they've inoculated it with. It's unlikely that it would be uh, infected with any wild mushrooms. So when, when you're growing them, you know, I, I run with the principle uh, that similar to a tomato plant, that if you put a tomato plant in the ground, something that comes up that looks like a tomato plant, it's probably a tomato plant. It's the same thing. If you inoculate with a, a yellow oyster mushroom and yellow, yellow mushrooms come out, it's a yellow oyster mushroom. Okay, so not really a, a scary thing i know certainly wild harvesting of wild mushrooms harvesting is, is different is, is yep. different yep. um so absolutely one, we should clearly say that but if you're growing them at home yep and you get what you expect to get then don't worry and you get them from a reputable source uh that's an, a known known quantity like the ones i mentioned before uh you won't go astray so what can go wrong if it's not going to to really injure you is the worst thing that happens you don't get any mushrooms? What, what are the problems? Yeah, I think the worst the worst is that you don't get any mushrooms. Uh, you will, over time, get contamination. You'll get a, a blue-green mold on it, which is called a trichoderma mold. And it's actually a fungus-eating fungus. Uh, and it's probably the number one issue that I've got in my grow room is that trying to keep that trichoderma out because once it's in, it's very hard to get rid of. But, you know, it's very clear that it's a blue-green mold. Um, it'll go a bit slimy. And you just throw it in the compost bin or throw it in your garden. Um, and it's great for your garden. Can you start with a mushroom and grow more mushrooms like you can mm. with an apple? Yeah, absolutely you can. Yeah, yeah. So, well, you, you say an apple, but most apples are grafted. So, you know, they, they don't grow from seed. But absolutely. So there's a there's a technique called stem butt. You know, some people might think of cigarette butts, but no, it's a, it's a mushroom butt. And you can do this from a store-bought mushroom where you can actually get the mushroom and you wrap it in some um, paper toweling that's moist and the mushroom will start taking over that paper towel and you can take that paper towel shred it and put it in with your say sugarcane mulch and then again it will continue growing and growing and maybe eventually you'll get some some fruit from it you're using the word fruit yep. the part of the mushroom we eat isn't the whole organism yes that's correct yeah so the fruit that we see or the, so the, the thing that we hold is the mushroom fruit and it holds the the seeds, or in this case, the spores, which are the seeds for the mushrooms, and it pops out of the ground to for the sole purpose of spreading its spores. But the bulk of the mushroom is is mycelium. It's the roots of the mushroom, and that's all through the things that you're growing on. Now, in the wild, I think, you know, I can't remember the exact step, but I think it was something around 80% of all mushrooms or fungi, I should say, in the world don't fruit. It's just mycelium under the ground. And what it's doing under the ground is breaking down all that organic matter 
breaking it down into component bits to make it then available, recycling it for the environment. Um, they do say that if uh, we didn't have mushrooms or fungi, we would be meters and meters deep in, in leaf litter and sticks and all the rest of it because there's no breakdown of that to return to the soil. So when you said that you could take a store-bought mushroom and put it on a wet paper towel and then tear up that paper towel, that's the mycelium you're talking about, right? Correct. You're getting it growing there and then it eventually turns into fruiting mushrooms. Yes. So it's, it's extending the mycelium. The mycelium from the mushroom goes into the paper toweling. Uh, and that's that's one approach. Obviously, in nature, it would release its spores. Its spores would go out and do its thing. But that's a, a fast track way of um, cloning a mushroom. I assume that you're not just buying kits and getting mushrooms. You're you're actually growing them from spores, from mycelium, from doing it the hard way. Uh, so, what is it like to actually grow mushrooms at home in a in a more serious fashion? And how do you scale that up to a business? Oh, yeah, it's. Um, it's tough. It's very labor intensive. I think people should be aware of that if they did want to scale it up to anything beyond their kitchen bench. So I've got a, a hydroponics tent that I've set up with a humidifier. So keeping it nice and moist and the light cycle. Um, and in that shed, I could grow about eight kilos of mushrooms a week at full tilt. Now I haven't got there at, at this stage because there's got to manage the demand and supply. But what I do is I buy the spawn and the spawn is basically inoculated rye rye grain or wheat grain or something like that and I get it from some of the companies I mentioned before and I use that to inoculate sugarcane mulch or coffee grounds and put it in buckets uh, with holes in the side and so it's basically just a larger version of a what you'd use at home a, a one kilo yogurt tub it's just a larger version of that and just you scale up in quantities so mushrooms as an organism are different from anything else we eat People grow vegetables at home for the flavor, for the nutrition value, for a variety of different reasons. What are the reasons you'd grow mushrooms at home? The reason I think you grow them at home is because gourmet mushrooms don't travel well. So they're not a commercial crop because they do break down quite quickly. Uh, so that you need to get them from a local source or better yet, from home. And I think that's the primary reason why you grow them is just getting access to them. Now, since we're on a podcast about ecological living i've heard of some other really interesting uses for mushrooms and fungi mm, and i know you have yeah, an interest in that as well absolutely. so can you talk about some of the things that aren't food that we're thinking mushrooms could be able to do for us or are already doing for us in the wider world yeah the, the, this is this is fascinating research and every other day there's there's new things coming out and they're under the myco banner myco is latin for mushrooms there is mycoremediation where they're using mushrooms to remediate uh, toxic places. And there was a great example of uh, Paul Stamets releasing spores to the oil spill from the Exxon Valdez and cleaned up a, a whole bunch because it breaks down. So mushrooms or mycelium will break down any carbon-based life form, including in the oils or carbon-based. So you've got mycoremediation. You've got another one called uh, mycofabrication. And that's making things like insulative panels or um, chairs or lampshades or ornamental things out of mycelium. And you, you basically grow it in a mold and then render it inert somehow through heat treat uh, and you have your form. And there was a, a great example of a lady in Canada who grew a canoe out of shiitake mushrooms. And the article went on to explain that every time she took it out in the fresh water, a couple of days later, it fruited. So, because she hadn't read it in it. So, that, that's fascinating. So, you've got micro-remediation, you've got micro-fabrication, uh, you've got micro-materials. So, uh, vegan leather is, is, and you're seeing it come into the fashion world a lot more. Again, Paul Stamets, who I mentioned before, has a, uh, a, a mushroom hat 
made out of a made out of mushroom leather. Uh, a friend of mine's got one as well. It's made by uh, a small family unit that's uh, unfortunately losing the skills, but they're in Transylvania, and uh, they make these hats out of mushroom leather. And I think you're going to see more and more of that come into the fashion world uh, and get rid of that fast fashion. I've also heard about some really interesting advances in medicine that are in the the fungi realm. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, fungi has been uh, part of our pharmacology for for many many years. So many of our antibiotics are actually derived from from fungi based life forms. So I think we're going to see more and more of that, particularly as awareness of of mycelium increases. I think the challenge that uh, mycology generally has is, up until recently, it was. The mycologist was that strange guy at the back of the biology lab, you know, probably in the in the broom closet, and it didn't really get a lot of scientific sort of uh, kudos. But in the recent years, citizen scientists have really taken mycology to the next level, and I think that sort of ignited a passion uh, in researching more. I think certainly in Australia and definitely globally, the amount of fungi that haven't been described uh, either through DNA analysis or through other mechanisms uh, is huge. We, we only know a very small fraction of the fungi out there, and that means that there's going to be compounds out there in various different mushrooms that will help with, with future antibiotics or, or health-related aspects. It really seems like this is a very new field in, in terms of the, the modern study of it, both in the nutritional, manufacturing, pharmaceutical, all across. It seems like this is something that will be hearing a lot more about in the next 10 or 20 years. Yeah, absolutely. And and on the on the uh, mushroom forums and I'm on quite often people far more knowledgeable people than I will talk about this mushroom that somebody posts a picture of and they're like, "Yes, I think that's an undescribed version of an Australian XYZ." And and it just sort of points to the fact that in Australia there are just so many mushrooms that haven't been described. So where possible, citizen scientists are being encouraged to send specimens off to the, the fungarium, which is the fungi version of a herbarium at their local uh, botanical gardens, for instance, and try and get it described and, and, and potentially even get naming rights um, if you find something new. So to finish up, back to the food production part of mushrooms, what advice would you give someone who's interested in either getting into mushrooms at the very beginning or taking a hobby of growing mushrooms and trying to scale it up into a small business? Uh, look, just get started. Don't be afraid to fail. Uh, there's lots of YouTube resources. Um, you could do a formal course. Milk would do some great courses. Urban Culture do some good course, courses. Um, but there's plenty of material on YouTube where you can just trial. And I think when you first start out, people are apprehensive. Uh, they're a little bit concerned. But uh, just try. And look, if you grow some mushrooms and you try, choose not to eat it, that's fine. That's a win. You've grown some mushrooms. You know, build up the confidence to eat them next time around. What surprises have you run into on the way? Oh, what surprises... The surprise is actually uh, the different uses for mushrooms. Uh, you know, I made some vegan jerky out of mushrooms, and it was um, just air dry with some spices, oyster mushrooms. And I actually took them along to a real, you know, blokey bloke barbecue, and uh, you know, there was meat and beer and all the rest of it. And I handed out these these vegan mushroom chips, and they were demolished. You know, they're absolutely demolished. And I think you know, trying to find new and novel ways to eat mushrooms extends how many people are interested in it. Um, and that's why I've, I'm also collecting a lot of old cookbooks that mention mushrooms and mushroom cookbooks to try and uh, increase the repertoire of how, you, know, you just don't want to pan fry them all the time. You want to do other stuff and you know, encourage people to do that. I think that's the exciting part. 
That's great. And we've gotten some of the mushrooms you've grown. They're amazing. We've gotten some mushroom salt that you made at uh, one mushroom point. Mushroom salt. It was and delicious. We too. still put that on our popcorn. We have yeah. some left. <laughs> There's all sorts of uses for mushrooms. And I really appreciate you coming on to talk about the food and not food versions of it. Thanks for being here, Lenny. Absolutely. Anytime. And thanks to all of you for listening. For more information about mushroom growing, visit ecolivingpodcast.com. And if you want to learn more about Narara Eco Village, visit nararaecovillage.com. That's N-A-R-A-R-A ecovillage.com. Lincoln will also be doing a mushroom workshop at our next Eco Village Experience Weekend. So please visit the website if you're interested in attending. This episode was generously sponsored by Robson Civil Projects, who's also been a supporter of Eco Village Experience Weekend. Robson Civil is a leading civil construction company in New South Wales and has been operating for 60 years. Robson Civil is focused on developing a culture of environmental responsibility and establishing operational environmental excellence through minimizing the impact of their construction activities. This promotes energy efficiency and reduces waste. To learn more about Robson Civil projects, visit www.robsoncivil.com.au. That's R-O-B-S-O-N-C-I-V-I-L.com.au. Finally, if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to our feed to get all of our episodes for free. And feel free to send it to anyone you think might enjoy it or learn something from it, hopefully both. We have all the links you need to subscribe to or share the show on the website. Until next time, I'm Adam Weiss.